1: southern miss to the to that you're tuned in to the eagle hour
0: happy thursday to you golden eagle fans listening across the state of mississippi and around the world on the super talk mississippi network it's the eagle hour appreciate you joining us today bob getty out uh, for some uh, much deserved vacation the next few days Kelly Sander will be joining me a little later in the program. We'll be playing you some clips from Scotty Walden's first press conference that took place last night and uh, just some feedback on the 30-year-old interim head coach for the Golden Eagles. In just a moment, Patrick McGee of the Bluxy Sun-Herald, because it's Thursday, be joining us and talking about uh, just a wild week at Southern Miss and what it looks like as we move ahead. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Some of the best brisket, sausage, ribs ever cooked, and Dicky's is cooked here, but it's loved everywhere. Go see the home team if you're in Hattiesburg. Uh, right outside of Turtle Creek Mall. And, uh, man, Dickey's great stuff. If you go in and you just want something kind of on the secret menu, ask for the loaded fries. Trust me, you'll thank me later for sure. Dickey's Barbecue, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, live from the First Bank Studios in beautiful downtown Laurel. It is Thursday, so we go down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Patrick McGee of the Biloxi Sun-Herald joins us as... We're going to start calling you uh, the the Lou Gehrig or the Cal Ripken Jr., Patrick, because of uh, the streak that you have going. I don't think you've ever missed a week, four or five years on the Eagle Hour. Kind of put in perspective, because you've covered Southern Miss for quite some time, what type of week it has been for the football program, for the athletic department, really maybe possibly a week like we've never seen before.
2: Well, you know, you've thinking about and there have been some odd weeks for Southern Miss football uh going back to the time that Larry Fedora left, but this one in terms of having a, a head coach leave uh after the season opener, that's that's very unusual. Uh it's it's something that, you know, you really don't see in college football as a whole or uh in 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 sports at this level really anywhere. So, it's strange. Um, it's, you know, there was, you know, leaving that South Alabama game is really a disappointing outcome and, uh, something that really kind of Southern Miss fans were not happy about in general, but, uh, to have Jay Hobson resign just a, a couple of days later was just, um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was surprising. Um, but in a way, I think the more you look at it, it was somewhat of a positive step for the program because. You look at the last four games that Southern has played; uh, those were those were fairly uninspired performances, and uh, things just did not have a good feel for the program. So, uh, bringing in somebody that you, useful as Scotty Walden, you hope you have a little bit of a reboot here early in the 2020 season.
0: You look at uh, historically, I think the last time this happened for a coach to step away uh, was actually in Arkansas in 1992. Jack Crow lost to the Citadel and uh, was out. Uh, I think I, I looked up several news articles. Some said he was fired. Some say that he stepped away. Uh, but it's something that hasn't happened really in college football in, in 28 years. Um, Jeremy McClain was on yesterday and kind of just reiterated uh, what you had reported and others had reported and, and some of the things I'd heard. Coach Hobson initiated the conversation, um, had a, a, a in-depth conversation with Jeremy McLean, um, you know, really throughout the weekend and it was a mutual decision and uh you know, just it, it's difficult for me as a as a former player. I love Hop the Man, I love Hop the Coach and I honor the man. The coaching part just didn't work out at Southern Miss. Is that kind of the vibe that that people um you know throughout the Southern Miss fan base are, are kind of feeling right now?
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody really has any, you know, animosity towards Jay Hobson. Him leaving in this situation, I think they're almost kind of uh, have a level of respect for him to kind of move away uh, whenever things were headed in the wrong direction. So it's, it's not often you see a coach really do that. And I think we'll probably find out more about the process of how it came to be in the weeks to, and months to come uh, as more conversations are had. Uh, but right now, you know, Jeremy McLean and company, obviously it, it, it appears Jay Hobson just walked in and resigned, you know, or it wasn't something that happened immediately, uh, but it was Jay who broached the topic. And uh, Jay just looked like the defeated uh, defeated guy uh, after uh, Thursday's game. And you see the pictures of him walking off the field and uh, his demeanor in the, the, the post-game press conference. Uh, Jay just, you know, didn't feel comfortable because the guy he just wasn't getting it out of the guys. You know, the, the team was not playing well. And uh, uh, Jay is a competitive guy, and he wants to win football games. And, and uh, it, at this point, it felt like it was kind of just slowly and uh, building toward a point to where, you know, Southern Miss football was starting to take a step back.
0: So I do want to get your comments. I don't want to relive what happened a week ago in the Rock, um, and just ask a couple quick questions. Uh, you know, you, you look at the offense in that game, and I think people forget Jack Abraham threw for 314 yards, 22 of 32. Uh, you know, the the passing game uh, maybe wasn't as uh, attacked as we thought. We we did take a couple of deep shots, and and were able to get the ball in in um, you know down the field some. It was just a little reserved from what you thought it might be, but he throws for 314 yards. Uh, But the rushing game, Patrick, you you take out Gore's long, Perkins' long, Abraham's long, you rush 34 times for 34 yards. That was the biggest thing for me. And then maybe uh, with the transition, this will change. There was just no energy on the sideline at all.
2: No, it it felt flat. It felt like the energy was really on the South Alabama sideline, really from the kickoff, Uh, and that's a bad sign. Uh, and, and, and that's the hope with the Scotty Walden, who's probably the most, uh, energetic guy on the sideline player or coach. Uh, uh, that's gonna be, that's really important to him. Uh, that's something he wants to manage and he wants to inspire energy out of his players. He wants to see them into the game. And, and he just felt like Southern Miss was never into the game. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's, it, that's for some you know, for anybody that's not inside the locker room it's kinda hard to put a finger on that. And uh I'm not really able to explain that myself. I mean this is the season opener national television, the first FBS game of the season. And southern Miss just came out flat and uninspired. And uh I know for Jay Hobson that really kinda had to hurt him to see that and and Scotty Walden has said he wants to make that a focus and uh if he can get, you know, uh energy and uh uh uh, positive, you know, uh, reaction out of his guys and better play, you know, that's that puts them in a better position to possibly be the next head coach.
0: And I want to I want to spend a couple more questions, and I kind of want to spend this uh, the rest of this segment, the next segment, talking about Scotty Walden, looking forward to to Louisiana Tech. Uh, what kind of surprised me is the defense. Um, you thought that they would be a whole lot better. Uh, didn't have, didn't get a pass rush. And South Alabama just kind of played backyard football with our with our defensive backs. Did you ever hear why, why Cameron Harrell only played a, a play or so? He was the uh, the Iowa transfer, played at uh, JUCO last year, and expected to start at corner. And you had to move. Uh, you and I were talking about it. I, I told I misled you in the press box a few times. They had to bring Brooks out uh, to to the corner when he was supposed to play the nickel. It, just the, the defensive secondary just looked confused.
2: Yeah, it, it felt like pieces were missing there. You didn't really re- see Rashawn Mitchell. Um, you know, it, it was a confused picture in the secondary. I mean, you saw the depth chart uh, leading up to the game, and you thought, well, you know, these are guys they think highly of as transfers. And, uh, somebody, had, you know, uh, Cam Harrell beating out Rashawn Mitchell for a starting job, and and you're just and you go out there and see what's happened in, in the play of the secondary and how poorly they tackled. Uh, it was really, really you know, uh, confusing and, and just not what you would expect. You know, as media, we weren't able to see much of this team, uh, through really anything of the team. So you're just kind of, uh, uh, going in expecting, well, these are the guys that must have stepped up and earned playing time. And they didn't look like a first string secondary, uh, you know, it, uh, for the most part. So, uh, especially in Jerome Brooks, it looked like he was playing out of position and that's how it kind of, uh, was throughout the game at times. Um, yeah, I mean the secondary played uh, not well, the the front seven didn't get much pressure. Uh South Alabama's run the ball well enough to beat them and and uh, South Alabama should not be able to pass that ball that pass the ball that well. And in the end that was really the difference in the ball game. Southern Miss couldn't tackle well either.
0: About 30 seconds left in the segment, and this is the last time we will ever probably bring up the South Alabama game on this radio show. But I, to turn the page, I want to turn the page with this question. What was the couple bright spots, 30 seconds, what was a couple of the bright spots you saw from the South Alabama game?
2: Well, I thought Jack played fairly well. Uh, there was a time or two where he had a couple open guys that he didn't get, but you know that's going to happen during the course of the game. But uh, Tim Jones looked really strong, I thought and Frank Gore showed some little flashes there in the game. He's just got to get a little help from the offensive line, and uh, maybe we'll see a different approach on on running the ball here going forward.
0: We're talking to Patrick McGee of the Bluxy Sun-Herald. We're going to turn the page, talk some Scotty Walden, the Louisiana Tech game, Uh, talk a little about what we heard from uh, Scotty Walden last night in the press conference. We'll play some of those clips for you later on the show. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. Don't go anywhere.
1: Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
0: Back on a Thursday, Campus Bookmark brings you the second segment of the Eagle Hour every single day if you're looking for a new hat, new shirt, new swag to cheer on the Golden Eagles. Go see them on Hardy Street across from the Administration Building in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. You can always go online, campusbookmark.net. Bob Getty owes me about five birthday gifts that he promises every single year. Be better than Bob. Go buy something at Campus Bookmark, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in beautiful downtown Laurel. Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald continues with us. So uh, a transition in leadership announced by Jeremy McLean on Monday. Scotty Walden, the 30-year-old co-offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, uh, tagged as the interim head coach. Patrick, um, really, the only time in in uh, possible human history that you'll say a thirty year old has previous head coaching experience.
2: Yeah, that was that's that's he's got an unusual resume, and that's what always has made always has made him a kind of a compelling story as somebody that's moved so quickly from a Division three graduate assistant to, up to Division one football, and now a head coach at a FBS program. It's, Pretty impressive, but he's produced pretty much every step of the way, and you kind of wonder whenever he'd be able to take over his offensive coordinator, uh, for Southern Miss, and, and Hotson never quite did that. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe this last time it wasn't his, his turn. Uh, maybe Scotty likes to throw it a little bit more than Jay does. I don't know. Uh, but here, here's, uh, here's Scotty. He's gonna be able to kind of dictate where this, where the offense goes from here on out. Uh, if you listen to, that uh post game uh rescued just a media conference uh last night he's uh he sounds a little his his language is a little bit similar to Fedora's. you know he's like fedora minus the Red bull and uh a few years younger and uh it's it's interesting you know i mean he's he he's the kind of if you know he kind of in a lot of ways is the perfect interim coach in that he's young uh has a good offensive mind and can kind of take the program immediately in a different direction. Uh, in terms of play on the field and on the offensive side of the ball. So if, if things aren't working and, and that you need a kind of a jolt of energy, you know, you want somebody like a Scotty Walton uh, there on the, you know, maybe he's a little bit younger than you would usually have as a interim head coach, but uh, he's got enough experience to where he can function in this role and potentially succeed. So uh, he said the right things last night and I, I you know, yeah, you, you get a good feel and I'm in, it's all a matter of how these players respond respond to him, and so far, he thinks they've responded pretty well.
0: You, you mentioned that about Larry Fedora. I had a, a close friend um, that you know observed Scotty and has observed him and observed some of the things that he said and. It's, it's the exact same comparison. He's a southern. He's, he's been a Southern Miss fan for a long time, and said that was the comparison. Scotty won't be drinking Red Bulls. He was quoted, uh, I think, a couple of years ago, saying he doesn't drink coffee. He wakes up jacked, and yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that <laughs> quote. Um, and yeah. if you're a Southern Miss fan out there, and you've never seen Scotty Walden in person, he's the guy on the sidelines that jumps up and down at every single turn. And Patrick, you got the kind of vibe last night that obviously he's going to be more comprehensive now. He talked about. You know, yesterday celebrating an interception the defense made, but I I really don't feel like he's going to change his style. He's not going to turn into some stoic, you know, oversight man. I I feel like he's going to be himself even as the interim head coach.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's what we'll see out of Scott, and I think with time we'll see a little bit less of that because he's got to devote so much of his energy to other facets of the team. Uh, But he will be getting into it. He knows that I I, I think especially right now we'll see an emotional, uh, energetic Scotty Walden on the sideline. Because that's what the team needs right now. He knows all eyes will be on him. And uh, somebody's got to really set the tone and put some energy on that sideline. Uh, They they really needed it uh, against South Alabama, and it just never happened. So I I think in a lot of ways he knows that uh, he's the type of personality that this program needs at the moment. And uh, if he can turn this thing around in a hurry, he puts himself in a position to be the next head coach or you know, at least a full-time head coach. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, he, he's he's that, you know, vibrating over there. And it's, you know, I don't drink coffee, but I don't wake up, Jack. I mean, I, I don't know where all of his energy comes from. I guess it comes from being a young guy. And, and uh, he, he's got boundless energy, and that's what Southern Miss needs right now.
0: And just a, a quick plug for uh, tomorrow, we're going to have on um... – Adam uh, Ledyard tomorrow. He's at East Texas Baptist, and he was actually uh, their own staff in the athletic department when Scotty was a, a head coach. And so uh, let us know, you know, what Scotty Walden was as a head coach to East, East Texas Baptist. That's coming up tomorrow, first segment of Eagle Hour. Uh, Patrick, do you think um, that's, that immediately like, the greatest need is on the field correction or a, a mentality and a mindset off the field for this football team?
2: Well, I, you know, it's kind of a cop-out, but I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, obviously they have to revisit the offense and figure out how best to move the ball down the field. This isn't going to be a dominant defense uh, from everything we saw against South Alabama. It could, it could certainly be a competent defense, uh, but right now it doesn't look like a group that's really going to shut folks out. So, And that's really what what I thought kind of coming into the season. If Southern Miss really can score a lot of points week in and week out and what could be kind of a – Somewhat of a chaotic season, Southern is going win a lot of football games. So I, I think it's going to be a matter of Walden and Kubik uh, getting together and figure out the best way forward for that offense. And uh, right now they pass it better than they, they run it, and but it's been that way for a little bit now. So, But it, it, as far as mentality wise, that's a huge part of it as well. And that comes to the practice field, that comes to preparations, that comes to film room. Uh, you know, Walden's going to have to find a way to infuse. Uh, optimism and energy throughout the program. And uh, if if you can kind of put all of that together, and that's asking a lot, uh, Southern Miss can start winning football games here uh, here again pretty soon.
0: Last question about Scotty, then we'll talk uh, just a little tech before we run out of time. Um, he did announce yesterday Reed Stringer going back on offense to coach tight ends, Tim Billings moving back to defense to coach nickelbacks, you feel like uh, you know Billings is more of a, a defensive coach. That was just kind of how Jay Hobson shook up the staff before the season. But Scotty putting uh, Coach Billings back on defense, you feel like that's good and and that will improve the secondary somewhat.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And it was you know of the moves that Jay made, it was a little bit odd to put Stringer on defense and and Billings back there on, on tight ends and. And, you know, one thing was kind of interesting, Walden talked about how it was really Billings who found him at East Texas Baptist and and brought him to the attention of Jay Hobson, and that's how he got to Southern Miss. So I think he really looks to Billings and is going to kind of rely on Billings, much like Jay did the last few years uh, in helping, you know, put that defense together. So I can see Per Carrero and and Billings working together more uh, in the weeks to come and, and trying to figure out the best approach on defense. And Stringer, is, you know, his whole career has basically been coaching tight ends and stuff like that. So I think it makes the this, this staff make a little bit more sense. And, uh, you know, hopefully for Southern Miss that will help out a little bit in film room, just getting ready for the next few games.
0: All right, big news. Uh, yesterday out of Ruston, a lot of players, uh, 38 I think, uh, from uh, Louisiana Tech diagnosed or have, have tested positive with COVID-19. We talked yesterday to uh, Jeremy McClain, and he had talked, uh, talked to the, his counterparts at, at La Tech. Scotty made mention of this last night in the press conference. Louisiana Tech confident they can play. I, I the, the numbers and the timeline is just kind of confusing to me, Patrick. How do you get that many kids out of quarantine and practice and ready to go September 19th?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think publicly they're trying to give off, you know, optimism that that game's going to happen, but I think in private they have to be really concerned. I mean, that's that's a really big number to have seeded out, not that, you know, they can't, you know, retest, say, by next week and, and hopefully they can kind of get this thing together. Uh, but to have, you know, for 30 guys test positive, I don't know if I've heard of that really anywhere uh, in terms of a college football team. So that's going to be really tough to come back from uh, this quickly. And you understand Tech's been in a tough situation with the hurricane there and, and some guys kind of congregate together at places that power. And, uh, you, you know, it's, it was just an impossible situation there in that, that part of Louisiana. So, uh, I, I, you know, I would say it's right now, you know, just my guess is probably 50-50 on that game being played. But if I'm Louisiana Tech, I'm, you know, I'm figuring out a way, if I got, you know, 50 plus guys that can make the trip, I go ahead and do it because, you know, this thing could really kind of build. Uh, all you can do is really isolate the guys that are dealing with the, the, the virus and, and and do the best you can. But, you know, you don't want to miss out the first two games of the season. And right now Tech is, seems to be kind of heading that direction.
0: Yeah, Skip Holtz, uh, there's an article from uh, the News Star in Louisiana. They already had ten players out. They had eight of, eight or ten guys in self-isolation due to contact tracing. So their active roster was reduced to just 47 players, 38 scholarship, 9 walk-ons. Skip uh, Holtz confident that they can get as many 30 as 30 players back next week and he said if that was the case then they could go from 47 to 77 players and have enough, you know, for a depth chart. I mean, the is Louisiana Tech are they more concerned about being prepared to play the game or just play the game next week?
2: Well, I uh, it's just for Louisiana Tech, I think it's it's just having the numbers necessary to, to compete, you know. Uh, like making the trip over to Southern Miss is not going to be dif- is going to be difficult. And for them the hope now is that it just doesn't spread to more players. Whenever you have that kind of number it t- tends to multiply. So, you hope for their sake they can get this uh, figured out by Monday.
0: Patrick, thanks for your time, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, y'all too. Patrick McGee of the Bloxy Sun-Herald joining us today on the Eagle Hour as he does every Thursday. We'll take a break, be back with Kelly Center. talk about Scotty Walden's press conference from last night. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour.
1: Southern Miss to the top.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Eagle Hour today, live from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Luke Johnson in today, flying solo. Bob Getty out on vacation, and I hope Bob has a great time where he's headed. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Tomorrow is Friday. You've had a long week. Well, actually, you maybe had a semi-short week because Labor Day, but it's still Friday. Go eat good lunch tomorrow. Eight ninety-five every single day. That includes a drink. Four Street Barn Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour, home of trivia night and a ton of Southern Miss memorabilia. We appreciate their sponsorship. Kelly John Sander on the phone now with us. Kelly, how is your Thursday?
3: Well, Luke, you know, it's I'm but a simple man that travels from village to village with meager skits.
0: I don't even know what that means.
3: Just another day in paradise, man. All
0: right, you have been in sports media uh, for a long time. I mean, that as a compliment for wisdom and experience there. Uh, what do you think Scotty Walden was feeling last night with his first press conference as the uh, head coach at Southern Miss? I don't
3: think, you know, I don't think under circumstances like this that he's probably even had time to think about it, you know. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's everything. It's just been such a whirlwind, and probably won't sink in for until the season's over. Really, I don't think.
0: I want to bring uh, in some clips from last night from the press conference? Allow our, our listening audience to hear, and, and so Kelly and I will will listen to these, and then I'll let Kelly respond back. So here's Scotty Walden last night, really being asked what the last seventy two hours were like.
1: Uh, not a lot of sleep. Haven't seen my wife or my kid, uh, and uh, just a lot of meetings. So it's been a, it's it's been a whirlwind, obviously. But uh, just uh, kind of a, I guess best way to describe is it, kind of a bittersweet and feeling, and kind of a up and down roller coaster, if you will. Just because you know Coach Thompson's a, a mentor to me and a um, you know a guy I look up to and a guy who obviously helped my career in the profession, took a chance on me, and uh, he means everything to me. And you know we had a great talk. You know you know that first night I called him and. Um, you know, just told him I loved him, and he was awesome. He was so supportive, and he's just such a good person. And uh, you know, obviously, you, you don't you don't want something like this to happen, or get a head coaching job this way, or interim job, or whatever it is. You know, but um, you know, we, we kind of got to got to grab the bull by the horns, and we got to roll. So it's been a it's been a whirlwind, pat, to say the least. But um, you know, I've, I've been really really proud of how the kids have responded, and, and how the staff has responded.
0: Kelly, you know, it is a difficult spot. Your first uh, promotion to head coach at the FBS level and replacing a guy you look up to is what Scotty Walden was saying.
3: And I think, that I, I think one of the things that uh, the fan base will be looking for too, Luke, is, is how quickly does Coach Walden make moves to make this team his own. Um, and that, that, to me, will show a little bit of, you know, we, we know that he's, what, year, 30 years old physically, but is he 30 years old mentally? What I mean by that is, is, is he is he going to consider that this was just, that it really is an interim thing and that he doesn't want to rock the boat that much, or does he really want this team to be a Scotty Walden team and I'm making changes now and they're going to be drastic? Or is it going to be somewhere in between, which I suspect is probably what, what it will be, somewhere in between. Not status quo, not rocking the boat too much, but, but making a few signature moves to let people know that, that he is the head coach now that's what I expected
0: yeah day. moving moving Reed Stringer from uh, defense back to offense, moving Tim Billings from uh, offense back to defense doing those things here is uh, is coach Walden talking about what the process looked like Monday afternoon and, and approaching some of the the players in the team and getting them ready for uh, the announcement
1: um I'll be just candid with you guys i mean I, uh, we had a team meeting at four. Uh, and I found out about 3:40. So about about 20 minutes to get my mind right and get going. So, uh, you know, but that's just you know that's just stuff they had to. worry. It's nobody's fault. Nothing like that. It's just you know, people had to work through work through that stuff. Had no indication we sat around all day and we were working. We were game planning Tech and um, really didn't have a clue what was going on. You know, I had had a lot of people you know calling us and texting us, uh, the whole staff, and nobody knew. And I think they did a good job of you know keeping things you know under wraps and. And, uh, unfortunately, it worked out, you know, with, with Coach Hobson, um, you know, stepping down and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and that's how it happened. It was pretty fast. And, you know, about 25 minutes later, I was in front of the team, uh, having to address the team.
0: You talk about, you know, how quickly things can move sometimes, Kelly. He had a 20-minute heads-up that he was the new interim head coach.
3: But, you know, Luke, I, I really think that, that for – and he has head coaching experience, albeit at the Division three level. He has been a head coach. So what he lacks in experience, I'll tell you what, he, what he's got a bunch of. And that's merely because of his age. He has an ability probably to, to relate to these players like no other coach, probably on the staff, in the fact that, that in some instances he might only be five or six years older than the guys that he's coaching. And that can be a really good motivational factor for these players. You know, and, and I don't want to say the – the EJ coaching name, but one of, one of the many downfalls of, of his tenure, and players would say this after he was gone, They said that he was so out of it as far as his ability to relate to players and even knowing what your average day player had to deal with in these times that he never really had the team. He never really had control of the team, Okay, which was part of that particular coach's problem. This one shouldn't have that problem. He's right on the same wavelength with them. He has, because of his age, an ability to communicate. When they use slang and nomenclature of that generation, he'll know exactly what they're talking about. And I think that, I think that should not be underestimated in his ability to, per, to perform well as the head coach
0: that's that's a great point you bring up and here's scotty walden talking about the question you know getting asked uh you've coached at the d3 level what about the d1 level and this is what he had to say
1: hit me with that with the d3 the d1 and there's, there's a lot of differences but i'll say like i'll say this you know being a head coach being a head coach and now this is obviously a a, a way bigger level more expectation more pressure but i think a lot of people don't understand like the d3 uh program I coached that wasn't uh the The standard I was told I better win, or you know something's gonna happen. You know, it ain't like they just said, "Hey, man, keep the keep the enrollment up." Like they, it wasn't that type of program. They they wanted to win, and so there was, uh, you know, there was pressure there too. There's pressure at every job you got, but at the end of the day, you got you got to you got to keep it about the kids first. I, I really believe that. And so um, obviously, there's been a lot of demands in terms of who I've got to meet with, departments, and you know, uh, scholarship numbers, and you just you go through everything, right? But. Um, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I, I really think my time at ETBU was invaluable because it took me. I feel more comfortable now. And again, I'm saying I have it all figured out because I don't. But I'm just saying I feel more comfortable in the chair than I did when I first got the job at ETBU. I, I, I did not feel comfortable for probably the first three three to four months, to be honest with you. And then I kind of started to settle in. So I think having that year under my belt has, has really, really uh, been invaluable uh, for, for this moment.
0: 26. He's a head coach. It Makes you feel a little better about him being 30 and being a head coach.
3: Well, he said that uh, he said that that uh, Coach Hobson was a mentor of his, and he's already picked up one of uh, Coach Hobson's phrases at the end of the day, <laughs> right? So, so there's <laughs> there's a little bit of a thing keeping him uh, tied to to Coach Hobson. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not you're not the same person at, at 30 as you are at 26, but. One of the things, one of the things that might be difficult for him, and, and you hope it's not, and you hope that the that the older, more experienced coaches won't make it difficult for him. But, but it kind—I of, I would think that it's kind of hard for a 30-year-old guy to get the to get the respect. I mean, really, genuinely felt respect from coaches who might be, you know, in their late 40s or, or 50s. You know, thinking, man, this kid's 30. What, what does he know? And you'd think that most coaches would be okay with that, but you hope that, that Coach Walden is not intimidated by his own staff guys that might be a little bit older and might be a little bit more experienced because uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's a team effort, um, not only the players playing together on the field, but the coaches coaching together on the field. So you hope that his his vigor and vitality and his ability to communicate with these players uh, and just his football X's and O's knowledge will be a really good package uh, going forward. And everybody you know, that I've talked to in, in the Eagle Nation, and it, it's fun to speculate about who the head coach might be, but I'm very quick to point out we have a head coach, and let's get behind Coach Walden, and it's better for everybody if he succeeds. And then we don't have to worry about a you know, process you know, going forward next year. So um, a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about what the future may hold
0: few more notes from that press conference he obviously uh, said that they have to get better in tackling on defense converting third downs on offense and uh, being able to run the football he did say uh, regarding play calling uh, it still has not been determined but he and matt kubick had already collaborated obviously as co-offensive coordinators Uh, that is still be determined who the play caller will be but he said just get ready we're not going to take our foot off the gas we're going to attack Said there really wouldn't be like a crazy, you know, overhaul. You've only got ten days, you know, to uh, to to get ready for Louisiana Tech, but you felt like there's going to be more attack, whether it's tempo, whether it's more vertical shots. He specifically said running the ball downhill, uh, and so you feel like there's going to be more of a sense of urgency, and I feel like you're going to open up the offense. Uh, more under uh, a Scotty Walden leadership. We'll take another time out, be back, and uh, bring you some local news, some high school news, and uh, Kelly and I will throw it around in the fourth segment. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Eagle Hour, the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top.
0: Final segment of the Eagle Hour today on a sunny Thursday brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Look at it on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg and online, ToyotaHattiesburg.com. For your next vehicle purchase, go see our friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg. Also want to let you know about D Bat and D1 training. If you haven't seen the facilities at D Bat and D1, you need to very, very soon. Great training facilities, great instructors located in the old Gatty Town, the big shopping center on Highway 98 next to Best Buy, D-Bat and D-1 training. there for you and your family, and uh, go see what they have to offer. Luke Johnson in Laurel in the First Bank Studio. Kelly Sander on the phone. Kelly, uh, just a couple more high schools getting hit uh, with some COVID quarantines.
3: Yeah, you were talking about that D-Bat thing, Luke. That, the only thing that would be better is if you could walk out of that facility with a Mr. Gaddy's pizza. You know, you, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have to worry about missing dinner. Just grab a pizza on the way out. You know, well, for guys that have diets like mine, that would be a good idea. But, yes, uh, the, the news, uh, COVID still uh, rearing its ugly head. Uh, Collins High School, the Green and White Tigers on Highway 49 south of Jackson and north of Hattiesburg, the latest school. To fall victim to some positive tests, you know, one of the questions that people have been asking about this high school football season is, well, what happens when a team that has an outbreak winds up playing another team that has, and, and we we're still early enough in the season where we haven't had a lot of those situations, but this is one of those situations. Uh, Collins, who is now on quarantine because of some a uh, COVID outbreak, played McGee. Last Friday night, McGee is also right there on Highway 49 north of Collins, and McGee had some positive tests. So then, it's you know logical then that Collins now is, has is having some positive uh, COVID results. So both McGee and Collins have put their teams on um, on two week um, two week hiatuses now until that situation is cleared up. And earlier this year, Seminary, who's also in Covington County, just a little bit further south. Of Collins, they've had their COVID issues, so there's still going to be kind of a revolving door here with these high school football teams, you know, trying to get in a full season. But add Collins to the list of uh, schools, the latest one. It's funny
0: how they how the schedule works out. So Northeast Jones got quarantined even before the school for the for the season started, so they missed several games. So they're playing tomorrow night uh, against South Jones, but it's not a real game. Northeast Jones didn't even really have one week of official practice before they got quarantined. MHSAA policy says you have to practice two full weeks before you can have a game. So Northeast Jones tomorrow night against cross-county rival South Jones will play them in a jamboree. So you can say, okay, well, you know, that was going to be a regular season game, and now it's going to be uh, a, a jamboree. Well, South Jones played a real game last week. <laughs> And their game this week doesn't count. It's a jamboree. It is just COVID madness.
3: Yeah, and, and you're seeing, you know, the, the colleges are beginning, beginning uh, this weekend. Um, you know, the, some of the Big 12 teams will be playing uh, this weekend. So I guess people would say this is the official opening of the college football season. It'll be abbreviated. But next week on the show, we'll talk a little bit about how I think in the long run, you're going to find out that the junior colleges in Mississippi were the ones to get this right from the get go. I think I think they got it right. And it might be lucky, might be foresight, but I think the junior colleges probably did the best thing overall. We'll, we'll talk about that next week.
0: Big night tonight, opening night of the NFL. The Texans uh, take on the Chiefs. That's from Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. Seven o'clock or seven twenty kickoff on NBC, Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champions, nine and a half point favorite. And uh, if you're Southern Miss fan, Cornell Armstrong uh, is has made the fifty-three man roster for the Texans. You can expect to see him on uh, some special teams tonight. Southern Miss with uh, thirteen uh, former players on NFL teams this year, uh, two on practice squad. Cameron Ton. Taun- Cameron Tom, cut earlier this week by the Saints, re signed to the practice squad, DeMichael uh, to Michael Harris, practice squad of the Colts, and then of course Drake Dorbeck opted out. But Jamie Collins, Rashad Hill, Quez Watkins, to various more, and Nick Mullins. Rakim Nunez, Rochez, Mike Thomas, Demar Dotson, and Jalen Rashard, uh, all on NFL rosters. Cornell Armstrong of the Texans tonight. Kelly, what's your uh, your thoughts about this game? Chiefs, uh, man, just amp up. They they draft the running back from LSU and all weapons back uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, they they may cover tonight nine and a half uh, against the Texans.
3: Well, I think I think what all NFL fans, if there are any left, uh, because you keep hearing people, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. Well, I'll bet you do. I'll I'll, I'll just bet you do. But I think that all fans should expect one thing, and that's that the caliber of play is probably not going to be as good as they're used to. Because as much as maligned and as much as the players criticized and hated preseason games, it was at least a chance to knock heads with somebody on the other side of the line who's not on your team. You know, That's the time to make your mistakes and get stuff cleaned up. Well, with no preseason games at all, this is the first real competition that teams have had. So I don't expect the caliber and the crispness of the play to be very good. Uh, but it's it's the same for all the teams, and they'll progressively, as, as logic would dictate, get better as the season goes
0: on. Sean Watson signing that big uh, new deal. Interesting to see him square off against Patrick Mahomes tonight. Cornell Armstrong, number 30. For the Houston Texans, be on the lookout for him tonight. Southern Miss to the top. Excited to see him on an NFL stage tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. Great show tomorrow. Our Jeremy Ledyard from East Texas University. Also, Jason Bailey on with us tomorrow. And, of course, Kelly Sander will always be here. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time. And, as always, Southern Miss to the top. I'm
2: like an eagle a Supertalk
0: A Super Talk
1: Mississippi yeah. Media Production